1: continue reading together from God's word, I invite you, if you're following along, this passage can be found in your pew Bible on page 19. Genesis 25 verses 19 to 34. Listen to the word of God. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, conceived. The, The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is to be this way, why do I live? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. When her time to give birth was at hand, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy mantle, so they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand gripping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, living in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he was fond of game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff for I am famished. Therefore, he was called Adam. Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Father, sanctify us in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Amen.
0: If I haven't said it already, I missed you. Two months away, the two things about this place I missed the most is I missed you as a group, but also individually. I can't tell you how many times uh, one of your faces would come to mind for prayer, uh, for me to wonder what's going on in your life right now. The other thing I missed most was preaching. I miss opening up the Bible and opening up our secrets and our hopes and trying to find out where the intersection is, where Holy Scripture is meeting our real living, and preaching is one of the great, great joys of my calling, so I'm glad to be back. For the next six weeks, I'm going to preach from the life of Jacob. Now, (laughs) Jacob's life dominates uh, the, the second half of the book of Genesis, but he is the only biblical character we know at every stage of life. We know him from the womb. You just heard Bill Gabbard read that text, today's story. And we have a deathbed scene where he's old and reflective. The only character in the Bible We get to see at every stage. Well, as you know, I've been out traveling and musing and praying and distancing. And so, I've been giving a lot of attention to the broader story of our lives. I was able to get away from the tyranny of right now. Not just asking, how will Jesus help me get through this week or this day? But how does our life play out in the larger drama of it all why are we here what matters and endures you know light stuff like that and here in this life of Jacob we have a detailed and honest story of a guy who seems to get it wrong about as often as he gets it right He's strong at times, weak at others, trustworthy at times, and sometimes not at all, courageous and cowardly, kind of like all the rest of us. So, what does he have to teach us about being human? About leading a life that really matters, about Searching for something that really is more enduring than the next quarter's sales goals or pulling a B in algebra or one more load of laundry. So, I want us to camp out with his story for a while. See where his life meets up with all of our unsatisfied hopes. And I do think that God will meet us in that intersection. So, since we're going to be with this guy for a while, I hope we can start off with a really good visual image so that we might carry that image along through the six weeks together. We can watch him age and grow. So, let me start with this visual question Who would play Jacob and Esau in the movie? You, we just read the story, right? So, so what actors are coming to mind for you? First, who would play Esau? Right? It's like Esau came out of the womb with hair on his chest. Strong, broad shoulders, Carhartt jeans and a Ford F-150. Esau's a hunter, he's dad's favorite, a man of the field, our scripture tells us. So who you got? Who comes to mind to cast in the motion picture? By the way, all of ours don't have to be the same, but mine is Jason Momoa. You know I'm talking about? The guy who played Aquaman and is in the Game of Thrones? That, that's going to be my Esau. You pick somebody else if you want to. But more important is how are we going to cast our hero-villain, victim, uh, villain, Jacob? We're going to be with Jacob several weeks, so so I hope we can all get a good image of him. Jacob is the younger of the twins. A quiet boy. He stays in tents. That's the Scripture's way of telling us he's a mama's boy. Apron. Helps mom out with the chores. I think while Esau's out killing stuff for the family to eat, his mother Rachel taught him to knit. So, who are you going to cast for Jacob? Y'all can tell me after who you cast. I've got a young Tom Hanks there. Is that working for you? But you see the contrast, right? And one day when Esau came back from a fierce hunt, he's dragging carcasses behind him antelope and wild ox and geese. He's famished, sweat gleaming, his muscles bulging, animals in tow. He gets in to the house, the home, and he finds his twin brother, Jacob, in the kitchen. Mommy has passed along a delicious recipe for stew. Well, Jacob says, let me have some of that red stuff. Jacob stirs with the ladle and tastes it. He says, sell me your birthright. You can have all you want. Well, what does this guy need with a birthright? It's mostly an extra portion of the inheritance. He lives for the day. Today's hunt. Today's conquest. Today's need. Yeah, sure, whatever. Just feed me and I mean now. Jacob needs a promise. And when... Esau promises his rights as a firstborn. Jacob puts down a hearty lunch, and both of them seem satisfied, at least for the moment. Esau's name translates Harry, not like Harry S. Truman, Harry like needs a shave. Jacob's name translates trickster, and this is important because it's going to show up over and over and over in the story. When, when Rebecca names her boy Trickster, I mean, she should have known something was coming, right? Now, we talk today about the Hebrew greats, the giants of the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If there were a Mount Rushmore of Hebrew leadership, Jacob's on it. As we will see, his name it will later be changed to Israel. He is the father of a nation. And yet today, in this story, he is a cad. He's contriving. He cons his own brother. And next week, as we will see, he swindles his dad and tricks his brother again. The great leader of Israel is a scoundrel. And yet, and yet God keeps showing up, redeeming him and leading him into the fullness of his calling. The trickster messes up again and again and again, and God keeps showing up to forgive and reclaim. So, the person who's going to get the most out of this series of preaching is the person who is most in touch with his or her own failure. Those of you who might think that the last mistake was the worst mistake and there is no coming back, some in here are convinced that. They have no chance of their future hero showing up. Because the tapes of your childhood are telling you that you are a nobody and you've heard that your whole life, and there is no future hero. Or the accumulation of selfish choices just year after year after year, month after month. The selfishness just weighs so much you think it's all over. Or the size of one betrayal. If you lug your failure around like the 30 pounds you wish you could lose... This sermon series might be just the thing for you. When Jacob was in the crib, his mama named him Trickster. Childhood stories have power, by the way. Some people have been told their whole lives that they're worthless, that they're a bother. Parents pass along their woundedness. As Richard Rohr famously said, hurt people hurt people. And you might be one of the victims of a hurt person who told you over and over how worthless you are. I know grown people who have never been told by a parent, I love you, I'm proud of you. They've only been told that they were an annoyance. They'd never amount to much. Like Jacob, they were given a name in the crib and their whole life have lived into the family's low expectations of that name. Or you might be one of the ones who can't live into the fullness of what Jesus calls life abundant because you can't shake off the rotten stuff you've done. Haunted at bedtime and early morning by the sins that still hold you hostage. You might have betrayed a wife or husband or promise or sibling like Jacob. You might have been found out or not. But still it feels like a rat gnawing in the wall and you can't get free. if any of this rings true for you, Jacob is your guy. As I said, Jacob's story would be a story of complete defeat, apart from the fact that God keeps showing up. God keeps showing up and reclaiming Jacob's broken and unfaithful life. God keeps pulling Jacob up off the floor, dusting him off and putting him back in the game, back into the role he's to play in the redemptive story. Jacob, the father of Israel. Jacob, whose life is blessed and whose life blesses thousands of others because God keeps showing up. And pulling him back. I love the fact that our scriptures. Don't airbrush out the blemishes. Champions of great significance. Also have great betrayals too. We have sinful heroes. Faithful followers of God who still up end up with episodes of shame. This is part of the gospel story. This is part of the good news. This is the recurring theme of Holy Scripture. God's goodness is so much bigger than our badness. As 14th century poet William Langdon puts it, all the wickedness in the world which man may do or think is no more to the mercy of God than a live coal dropped in the sea. Do you really believe that your past betrayals have more power over you than God's power to reclaim you? Is your mess up really bigger than God's power to forgive? Jacob, who is this hero of the Hebrew people, father of the nation of Israel, is a scoundrel. And then God reclaims him and reminds him that he's beloved, that he's a part of a story of blessing to get back in the game. Okay, to be fair, redemption is a little bit of a church word. So, let me give a little explanation there. When I was a kid, my next door neighbor and I, John Otto and I, used to get a dollar from our parents and walk the many blocks to the 7-Eleven at the end of our neighborhood. I think it was a fair price for us to be gone that long and we'd come back with a sack of candy. But while we were at the 7-Eleven, we would rummage around looking for, uh, for glass Coke bottles, and then we would go next door to the liquor store and look around for glass Coke bottles, and we would rummage around there. And the reason we did that, of course, is so that we could redeem those bottles for cash. They were bought back for a new purpose. That's what redemption is. Something that gets reclaimed for a purpose. And over and over and over, Jacob lives a a life that is short of God's hope. And God keeps redeeming. It's the great biblical theme. It's the through line of Scripture. God is redeeming us over and over. And this table is the symbol of God's greatest act of redemption. In some mystery we don't fully understand, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the greatest act of uh, redemption. It's an ongoing promise That we don't have to be defined by our past because God is ready to forgive and put us back as an agent of blessing in the world. That, That you don't have to be bound to your family tapes that tell you you're worthless. You don't have to stay bound to that horrible thing you did back then. You don't have to be defined by your ongoing betrayals. Because in the presence of God's grace, it has about as much chance as a live coal dropped in the sea. And the sad truth is that most people choose to continue to live as victims If they were called trickster as a child then they feel like they have no choice but to live out their low calling. Some people believe their past betrayals have disqualified them from any future life of blessing and purpose. And Jacob's story this week and throughout the six weeks we will see Jacob's story tells us That's a lie. And at this table, the symbol of God's most incredible act of turning tragedy to victory, it will tell you it's a lie. You don't have to be bound up by that stuff because Christ came that you might have life and have it abundantly and you can't have it abundantly if you're gripped by all of those lies. We come to the table in part to celebrate the fact that once and for all, in the symbols of this table, we have been set free. We have been saved. But the other message of Scripture is that we are continuing to be redeemed. Not just a one-time prayer of salvation, but that God continues to reclaim us, redeem us, let us start over. And so as we come today, we come with the hopes that forgiveness will wipe the slate clean again that we will be picked up off the floor again this time and forgiven and put back in the game for God's good purpose. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take this, eat this in remembrance of me. in like manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, you do so in remembrance of me. For this is the cup of
1: salvation. Would you pray?
0: Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.